0: Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm Arlo. I'm Kelly, and you're listening to Crazy Hexy Ghoul podcast about everything from the peculiar, the curious, to the bizarre. So join us as we obsess over ghosties and shit. Did you say ghosties and shit? Hell yeah, I did. Okay, you guys, shit's about to get real. Hi. Hey you guys, thanks for coming back to another episode. Today's episode's going to be a little bit different because it's just me, your friend Arlo. Kelly's out sick today. And like we promised, we would release an episode to you guys. I know we've been out for a few weeks, but we had quite a bit of life stuff going on, which I hope everyone can understand. Life gets messy and stuff happens and you got to roll with the punches, right? Well, today I want to read to you a story From one of my favorite authors, Richard Matheson. This story is called Dress of White Silk. Quiet is here and all in me. Grandma locked me in my room and won't let me out. Because it happened, she says. I guess I was bad. It was the dress. Mama's dress, I mean. She has gone away forever. Grandma says your mama's in heaven. I don't know how. Can she go in heaven if she's dead? Now I hear Grandma. She's in Walma's room. She's putting Walma's dress down the box. Why does she always? She locks it, too. I wish she didn't. It's a pretty dress and smells so sweet. I love to touch it against my cheek, but I can't never again. I guess that is why Grandma's mad at me, but I ain't sure. All day it was only like every day. Mary Jane came over to my house. She lives across the street. Every day she comes to my house to play. And today she was. I have seven dolls and one fire truck. Today, Grandma said, play with your dolls in it. Don't you go inside your mama's room now, she said. She always says it. She just means no mess up, I think, because she says it all the time. Don't go in your mama's room like that. But it's nice in mama's room. When it rains, I go there. Or when grandma is doing her nap, I do too. I don't make noise. I just sit on the bed and touch the white cover. Like when I was only small, I make believe mama is dressing and I'm allowed in. I smell her white silk dress. Her going out for night dress. It's what she called it. I hear it moving if I listen hard. I make believe to see her sitting at the dressing table, like touching on perfume or something, I mean, and see her dark eyes. I can remember. It's so nice if it rains and I see eyes on the window. The rain sounds like a big giant outside. He says, shoo, 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 so everyone will be quiet. I like to make believe in Mama's room. What I like almost best is to sit at Mama's dressing table it is like pink and big and smells sweet too. The seat in front has a pillow sewed in it. There are bottles and bottles with bumps and have colored perfume in them. And you can see almost your whole self in the mirror. When I sit there, I make believe to be Mama. I say, Be quiet, Mother. I am going out and you cannot stop me. It is something I say, I don't know why, like I hear it in me. And, Oh, stop your sobbing, Mother. They will not catch me. I have my magic dress. When I pretend I brush my hair long, but I only use my own brush for my room, I don't never use Mama's brush. I don't think Grandma is mad at me for that, because I never use Mama's brush. I wouldn't never. Sometimes I did open the box, because I know where Grandma puts the key. I saw her once, when she wouldn't know I saw her. She puts the key on the hook in Mama's closet, behind the door I mean. I could open the box lots of times. That's because I like to look at Mama's dress. I like best to look at it. It is so pretty and feels soft and like silky. I could touch it for a million years. I kneel on the rug with roses on it. I hold the dress in my arms and like breathe from it. I touch it against my cheek. I wish I could take it to sleep with me and hold it. I like to. Now I can't because Grandma says, And she says I should burn it up, but I loved her so much, and she cries about the dress. I wasn't never bad with it. I put it back neat like it was never touched. Grandma never knew. I laughed that she never knew before, but she knows now I did it, I guess, and shall punish me. What did it hurt her? wasn't in my mama's dress. What I like real best in mama's room is looking at the pictures of mama. It has a gold thing around it. A frame is what grandma says. Your mama was pretty, grandma says. I see mama there smiling on me and she is pretty. For always. Her hair is black like mine. Her mouth is red. I like the dress and it's the white one. It is all down on her shoulders. Her skin is white, almost white like the dress. And so are her hands. She's so pretty. I love her even if she has gone away forever. I love her so much. I guess I think that's what made me bad. I mean to Mary Jane. Mary Jane came for lunch like she does. Grandma went to do her nap. She said, Don't you forget now, no go into your mamma's room. I told her no, grandma. And I was saying the truth about that when Mary Jane and I was playing Fire Truck. Mary Jane said I bet you haven't, no mother. I bet you made it all up, she said. I got mad at her. I have a mama, I know. She made me mad at her to say I made it all up. She said I'm a liar. About the bed and the dressing table and the pictures and the dress even and everything. I said, well, I'll show you, smarty. I looked into grandma's room and she was doing her nap still. I went down and said Mary Jane to come on up because grandma won't know. She wasn't so smart after then. She giggled like she does. Even she made a scaredy noise when she hid into the table in the hall upstairs. I said, you're a scaredy cat to her. She said, well, my house isn't so dark like this. Like that was so much. We went into mama's room. It was more dark than you could see. I said, this is my mama's room. I suppose I made it all up, huh? She was by the door and she wasn't smart then either. She didn't say a word. She looked around the room and she jumped when I got her arm. Well, come on, I said. I sat on the bed and said, this is my mama's bed. See how soft it is? She didn't say anything. Scared a cat, I said. Am not. I said to sit down. How can you tell if it's soft if you don't sit down? So she sat down by me. I said, feel how soft it is, smell how sweet it is. I closed my eyes, but funny, it wasn't like always because Mary Jane was there. I told her to stop feeling the cover. You said to, she said. Well, stop it, I said. See, I said, and I pulled her up. That's the dressing table. I took her and brought her there. She said, let go. It was so quiet, like always, I started to feel bad. Because Mary Jane was there. Because it was in my mama's room and mama wouldn't like Mary Jane there. But I had to show her the things. I showed her the mirror. We looked at each other in it. She looked white. Mary Jane is a scaredy cat, I said. am not. Nobody's house is so quiet and dark inside. Anyways, she said it smells. I got mad at her. No, it doesn't smell, I said. Does so, she said. Smells like sick people in your mama's room. Don't say my mama's room is like sick people, I said to her. Well, you didn't show me no dress and you're lying, she said, there isn't no dress. I felt all warm inside, so I pulled her hair. I'll show you, I said. I'll show you. You're gonna see my mama's dress and you better not call me a liar. I made her stand and get the key off the hook. I kneeled down. I opened the box with the key. Mary Jane said pew, that smells like garbage. I put my nails in her and she pulled away and got mad. Don't you pinch me, she said. I'm telling my mama on you, she said. And anyways, it's not a white dress. It's dirty and ugly, she said. It's not dirty, I said. I said it so loud, I wonder why grandma didn't hear me. I pulled up the dress from the box. I held it up to show her how it's white. It fell open like rain whispering and the bottom touched on the rug. It is too white, I said, all white and clean and silky. No, she said. She was so mad and red. It has a hole in it. I got more matter. If my mamma was here, she'd show you, I said. You got no mama, she said. I have, I said it way loud. I pointed my finger to my mama's picture. Well, who can see in this stupid dark room, she said. I pushed her hard and she hit against the bureau. See, then I said, mean looking at the picture. That's my mama and she's the most beautiful lady in the whole world. She's ugly. She has funny hands, Mary Jane said. She has buck teeth. I don't remember then. I think the dress moved in my arms. Mary Jane screamed. I don't remember what. It got dark and the curtains were closed, I think. I couldn't see anyway. I couldn't hear nothing except the buck-teeth funny hands, buck-teeth funny hands, even when no one was saying it. There was something else because I think I heard someone call, don't let her say that. I couldn't hold on to the dress. Can't remember. Because I was growing up strong, but I was a little girl still, I think. I mean, outside. Outside. I think I was terrible bad then, grandma took me away from there I guess, I don't know, she was screaming God help us it happened, it's happened, over and over, and I don't know why, she pulled me all the way here to my room and locked me in, and she won't let me out, well I'm not so scared, who cares if she locks me in a million billion years, She doesn't have to even give me supper. I'm not hungry anyway. I'm full. I hope you guys enjoyed that story um, as much as I enjoyed telling it. I would like to read you another story from the same book. It's The Best of Richard Matheson, it's a collection of his short stories. Um, I hope you enjoy. Here we go. This story is called The Day of reckoning. Dear Pa, I am sending you this note under Rex's collar because I got to stay here. I hope this note gets to you all right. I couldn't deliver the tax letter you sent me because the widow, Blackwell, is killed. She is upstairs. I put her on her bed. She looks awful. I wish she would get the sheriff and the coroner Wilkes. Little Jim Blackwell I don't know where he is right now. He is so scared. He goes running around the house and hiding from me. He must have got awful scared by whomever killed his ma. He don't say a word. He just runs around like a scared rat. I see his eyes sometimes in the dark and they are gone. They got no electric power here, you know. I came out towards sundown bringing that note. I rung the bell, but there was no answer, so I pushed open the front door and I looked in. All the shades was down and I heard someone running light in the front room and then feet running upstairs. I called around for the widow, but she didn't answer me. I started upstairs and saw Jim looking down through the banister posts. When he saw me looking at him, he run down the hall and I ain't seen him since. I looked around the upstairs rooms. Finally, I went in the widow Blackwell's room and there she was dead on the floor in a puddle of blood. Her throat was cut and her eyes were wide open, looking up at me. It was an awful sight. I shut her eyes and searched around some and I found the razor. The widow has all her clothes on, so I figure it were only robbery that the killer meant. Well, Pa, please come out quick with the sheriff and the coroner Wilkes. I will stay here, and watch to see that Jim don't go running out of the house and maybe get lost in the woods. But come as fast as you can, because I don't like sitting here with her up there like that and Jim sneaking around in the dark house. Luke Dear George, We just got back from your sister's house. We haven't told the papers yet, so I'll have to be the one to let you know. I sent Luke out there with a the property tax, and he found your sister murdered. I don't like to be the one to tell you, but somebody has to. The sheriff and his boys are scouring the countryside for the killer. They figure it was a tramp or something. She wasn't assaulted, though, and for all that we can tell, nothing was stolen. What I mean more to tell you about is little Jim. That boy is fixing to die soon from starvation and just plain scaredness. He won't eat nothing. Sometimes he gulps down a piece of bread or a piece of candy but as soon as he starts to chewin his face gets all twisted and he gets violently sick and he throws up. I don't understand it at all. Luke found your sister in her room with her throat cut from ear to ear. Coroner Wilkes says it was a strong steady hand that done it because it was deep and sure. I am terribly sorry to be the one to tell you all this, but I think it's better you know. The funeral will be in a week. Luke and I had a long time rounding up the boy. He was like lightning. He ran around in the dark and squealed like a rat. He showed his teeth at us when we'd cornered him with a lantern. His skin is all white, and the way he rolls his eyes back and foams at the mouth is something awful to see. boy finally caught him. He bit us and squirmed around like an eel. Then he got all stiff and it was like carrying a two by four, Luke said. We took him into the kitchen and tried to give him something to eat. He wouldn't take a bite. He gulped down some milk like he felt guilty about it. Then, in a second, his face twists and he draws his lips back and the milk comes right out. He kept trying to run away from us. Never a single word out of him. He just squeaks and mutters like a monkey, talking to itself. We finally carried him upstairs to put him to bed. He froze as soon as we touched him. I thought his eyes would fall out. He opened them so wide. His jaw fell slack and he stared at us like we were boogeymen trying to slice open his throat like his ma's. He wouldn't go into his room. He screamed and twisted in our hands like a fish. He braced his feet against the wall and tugged and pulled and scratched. We had to slap his face and then his eyes got big and he got like a board again and we carried him to his room. When I took off his clothes I got a shock like I haven't had in years, George. The boy is all scars and bruised on his back and his chest like someone strung him up and tortured him with pliers or hot irons or God who knows what. I got a downright chill seeing that. I know they said the widow wasn't the same in her head after her husband died, but I can't believe she's done this. It is the work of a crazy person. Jim was sleepy, but he wouldn't shut his eyes. He kept looking around the ceiling and the window and his lips kept moving like he was trying to talk. He was moaning kind of low and shaky when Luke and I went out in the hall. No sooner did we leave him than he screaming at the top of his voice and thrashing in his bed like someone was strangling him. We rushed in and I held the lantern high, but we couldn't see anything. I thought the boy was sick with fear and seeing things. Then, as if it was meant to happen, the lantern ran out of oil. And all of a sudden we saw white faces staring at us from the walls and ceilings in the window, it was a shaky minute there, George, with the kids screaming out his lungs and twisting on his bed but never getting up and Luke trying to find the door and me feeling for a match but trying to look at these horrible faces at the same time. Finally, I found a match and I got it lit and we couldn't see the faces anymore. Just part of one on the window. I sent Luke down to the car for some oil and when he came back we lit the lantern again and looked at the window and saw that the face was painted on so to light up in the dark. Same thing for the faces on the walls and the ceiling. It was enough to scare a man half out of his wits to think of anyone doing that inside a little boy's room. We took him to another room and put him down to bed. When we left him he was squirming in his sleep and muttering words we couldn't understand. I left Luke in the hall outside the room to watch. I went and looked around the house some more. In the widow's room, I found a whole shelf of psychology books. They was all marked in different places. I looked in one place and it told about a thing, how they can make rats go crazy by making them think there is food in a place when there isn't. And another one about how they can make a dog lose its appetite and starve to death by hitting pieces of pipe together at the same time when the dog is trying to eat. I guess you know what I think, but it is so terrible I can hardly believe it. I mean that Jim might have gone crazy to have cut her. He is so small, I don't see how he could. You are her only living kin, George, and I think you should do something about the boy. We don't want to put him in an orphan home. He is in no shape for that. That is why I am telling you all about him so you can judge. There was another thing. I played a record on a phonograph in the boys' room. It sounded like wild animals all making terrible noises, and even louder than them was a terrible high laughing. That is about all, George. We will let you know if the sheriff finds the one who killed your sister, because no one really believes that Jim could have done it. I wish she would take the boy and try to fix him up. Until I hear, Sam Davis. Dear Sam, I got your letter and I am more upset than I can say. I knew for a long time that my sister was mentally unbalanced after her husband's death but I had no idea in the world she was gone so far. You see, when she was a girl, she fell in love with Phil. There was never anyone else in her life. The sun rose and descended on her love for him. She was so jealous that once because he had taken another girl to a party, she crashed her hand through a window and nearly bled to death. Finally, Phil married her. There was never a happier couple, it seemed, She did anything and everything for him. He was her whole life. When Jim was born, I went to see her at the hospital. She told me she wished it had been born dead because she knew that the boy meant so much to Phil and she hated to have Phil want anything but her. She never was good to Jim. She always resented him and that day, three years ago, when Phil drowned, saving Jim's life, she went out of her mind. I was with her when she heard about it. She ran into the kitchen and got a carving knife and took it, running through the streets trying to find Jim so she could kill him. She finally fainted in the road and we took her home. She wouldn't even look at Jim for a month. Then she packed up and took him to the house in the woods. Since then, I never saw her. You saw yourself, the boy is terrified of everyone and to everything, except one person. My sister planned that. Step by step, she planned it. God helped me for never realizing it before. In a whole monstrous world of horrors she built around that boy she left him, trust and need for only one person. Her. She was Jim's only shield against those horrors. She knew that when she died. Jim would go completely mad because there wouldn't be anyone in the world take a turn to for comfort. I think you see now why I say there isn't any murderer. Just bury her quick and send the boy to me. I'm not coming to the funeral. George Barnes The End I hope you guys enjoyed those stories by Richard Matheson. One thing I really enjoy about his work is that it's not horror scary. It's just borderline kind of psychologically scary. I hope that they were like uh, Halloween-esque enough. I don't know. Uh, Stay tuned for our next episode. We are going to try and Halloween it up for you guys. If you guys want to hear us read stories like this in the future, just give us a quick little email at crazyhexigool at gmail.com or... You can always DM us. Uh, we on Instagram. We do have an Instagram, which is just Crazy Hexigul. And until next time, the music in this podcast is by the band The Daddios. This is Kelly, and I'm Marlo, and you're listening to Crazy Ghoul. We'll see you next time. Is this it? Is this the end? Bye.